All right, uh, uh, open up to Genesis 6. Genesis 6, I'm going to read the entire chapter here in a second. Um, I felt led of the Lord. Like I've, I've referenced Noah now for a little over a year. Um, but I finally felt permission to actually just full-blown preach through the story of Noah, which is something I've never done. Um, Jesus references Noah when he's talking about the end times that Jesus talks about, he says, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. And, and, uh, and actually, Jesus says that the coming of the Son of Man, so the, the second coming of Jesus, right, will be just like the days of Noah. Think like the, the global revival, the thing that we're believing for, it, it's, it's not going to happen when everything's all hunky-dory and better. If, if anything, that the signs of the times are pointing to that the Lord's going to pour out His Spirit. And so it's, 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 it's almost like it doesn't make sense, but in the kingdom, a lot of things are always, there's opposing things, right? There's, <laughs> there's, He does nothing new under the sun, and behold, He's making all things new. It's like, which one is it? And one of my favorite preachers says, somewhere in there between those two tensions, there's revelation in that. And so with everything that's going on in the world, with a, a global pandemic and, and all the stuff that's going on with politics, all the stuff that's going on with, with the racism stuff, like there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of just like... I, I got on the Facebook early this morning and I turned it off because I thought everyone was yelling at me. Like, there's just angry people. And, and in the midst of everything that's going on, I believe that the Word teaches us that there is no greater opportunity for an outpouring of the Spirit than when things are going away. And so, so when everything's going on, it's like, man, one day God's going to send revival. No, I think the Lord's sending revival right now in the midst of all this that's going on. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you that some are going to get it and some aren't. It's just, it's just the way it's going to be. And I'm praying the Lord gives us ears to hear and eyes to see. And so there will be, there will be a great falling away. I mean, let's be honest, like, like the COVID has really exposed people's motives. It has. It's exposed people's motives. It's exposed what's important to people. And, and across the U.S., probably most churches are, depending on which study you read, most are down about 60% in their regular attendance. And, and I get some can't because they're afraid and, 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 and whatever. They're more prone to catch things. And some have come or stopped coming because they got in the habit of sitting at home. And, 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 and I, I'm, I'm not dogging that I'm just saying it is exposing people's hearts but in the midst of that the Lord is raising up people that's just hungry for the presence of God and so so in the days of Noah that it says that for in those days before the flood there was eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and so Jesus is saying like they went about their way and they were doing all kinds of acts and things. And, and, and Jesus is saying, look, look, I'm going to come and I'm going to make myself known in the midst of all the sin, in the midst of all the debauchery, in the midst of all the unrighteousness, I'm going to make myself known. And I believe the Lord is looking for people, churches, right, 
for churches that host the presence of God in the midst of all that that's going on and saying, I know that society is saying it's okay to live this way. I know that society is saying it's okay to do this, that, or the other. But we're not going to. We're going to live this way because we're deeply convicted that God has called us to be a holy people. And, and God has called, like, look, I think the days of just saying, come attend my church because it's cooler than the one down the street's over. I think what the Lord's going to do is He's going to raise up people that's hungry for the presence of the Lord and people's going to go, why are you so on fire? Let me get some of that. All right, so Genesis 6. Oh, Jesus. And so, like, I don't, I don't know how long this is going to take. I know, I think it took me 14 weeks to preach through Song of Songs. That was eight chapters. Uh, uh, there's really only three and a half chapters dealing with Noah, but but I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go through a lot of ground today, and then the next few weeks we'll probably slow down, uh, just because I think there's a lot in it for us right here and right now, and I'm not gonna preach it. Like some of it will be historical, just because I like giving facts and I like looking up words, but I want to look at this more from a prophetic sense, in the sense that like. Because most of you, I mean, you're familiar with the story of the Noah. We, we're taught that from like that big, right? We're, we're taught that from that big. But I want to look at it from, from a prophetic sense in the sense of, of this is what the Lord did to redeem a planet and this is what the Lord's doing now. Okay? All right. So now it came about, verse 1, when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever because he is also flesh. By the way, it's, it's, this is a frightening verse, by the way, that he won't strive with man forever. So when the Lord convicts you and the Lord speaks to you, like that's a gift from God. Because what He's doing, He's saying there's something greater, there's something more available to you. But if you ignore that conviction long enough, eventually your heart gets hardened, just like He did with Pharaoh, and then you don't respond or it takes longer to respond to what the Lord's doing. And so, so that's why it's like when first people get born again, they get saved out of the lifestyle that they're in, like they just go all in. But people who come and go, come and go, come and go, come and go, eventually they don't come back because, and I'm not talking about church, I'm talking about walking with the Lord, because the Lord, He's just like, I'm not going to strive with you. I'm going to wait till you make your mind to come back to me. Right. <clears throat> Nevertheless, His day shall be 120 years. The Nephilim, I'm not going to talk about that. That's an interesting side study. The Nephilim, that they were on the earth those days. And afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of the men, they bore them children. Those, those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Verse 5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things to birds on the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. 
But Noah, I love this, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. Verse 12, God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then the Lord said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make yourself, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall... Make, you shall make the ark with rooms. You shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark will be 300 cubits and, a breath, and its breadth 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top. You shall set on the door of the ark on the side of it. You shall make it with a lower, second, and third decks. There's all kinds of stuff in here. The, the, the window represents the, the pierced side of Christ Jesus, right? The first, second, and third decks, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was made out of wood, which they think is the same wood that the cross was made out of. There's all kinds of stuff in this that's fascinating. And the Lord used this ark to repopulate the planet. But anyway, all right. Verse 17, Behold, I'm bringing a flood upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Under that, under that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds of after their kind and, and of the animals after the kind, of every creeping thing on the ground after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you and keep them alive and as for you take for yourself some some of all the food which is edible and gather it to yourself and it shall be food for you and for them and then finally verse 22 thus Noah did according to all God had commanded him so he did Jesus I need your help there's a whole lot of bible right there right all right, so, we, so we're familiar with the story that God called Noah, told him to build an ark, and Noah builds the ark, and, and, and the Lord, he floods the earth. It rains for 40 days and for 40 nights, and Noah's family stuck inside this boat or this ark with all the animals of the world. By the way, I don't believe this is allegory. I don't believe it's metaphor. I believe it actually happened, okay? I'm just going to put that out there because there's some today that think it's just a story, but I think it's more than a story. I think it's truth. And it's like, well, how did it happen? I don't know. I just believe God's supernatural. All right. So, so, so 40 days, 40 nights. Then, then the flood starts to subside. He lands on Mount Ararat and he sends out a dove eventually. And the dove doesn't come back or the dove comes back and brings the olive branch to him. And so he sees that there's stuff, you know, there's land. And, and then he gives a rainbow in the sky, which the rainbow was never meant for the LGBTQ crowd. The rainbow has always been meant as God's promise of his covenant for us, okay? And so, so the Lord, he, 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 he uses Noah to, to do just some incredible things. 
I mean, what, I mean, you've probably heard this part talked before, but I mean, <clears throat> you understand that it had never rained a single day on earth before the flood. It had never rained. Before that, mist used to come up out of the ground. All right, so before <laughs> the Lord speaks to Noah and says, hey, I want you to build an ark. And Noah's like, what's an ark? What's well, a boat? What's a boat? <laughs> It's this floaty thing. <laughs> I don't know, right? Why, why do I need to build that? It's going to rain. Oh, okay. Well, what's rain? Like, like they would have had this conversation. And so, so then all these people would have saw Noah building this ark, right? And they'd have been like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm building an ark. What's that? It's a boat. What's a boat? And so water comes. Well, okay. Well, water's going to come. This is the desert. Well, yeah, it's going to rain. Well, what's rain? Like, like all these years, between, depending on which account you read or which, which commentator, it took anywhere between 80 to 120 years to even build the ark. All right? So longer than most of us live, people would have ridiculed him. They would have questioned him. They would have been like, why are you building this thing? Because that makes absolutely no sense to build this thing. And Noah's like, well, God told me to do this, so I'm doing it. And I think, beloved, in this hour, the Lord's asking us to build something that may not make sense to those around us. It's to those that don't know God and probably those that are in the religious spirit camp. Like, it's not going to make sense, but we have to say, you know what? Come hell or literal high water, we're going to build this thing for the Lord because He's asked us to do it. So the prophetic picture of what the Lord's doing in this, this story, what I believe today, is the first thing the Lord is looking for, and this is something we talked about all the time here, is the Lord is simply looking for men and women to walk with Him. Right in the midst of in the midst of a perverse culture, in the midst of a society gone awry, in the midst of sin and debauchery, right? Noah or the Lord says, "There's one that's righteous. There's one that's holy." And Genesis six nine says, "These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time." Blameless in his season, blameless in his generation. It wasn't just it wasn't just like in that for just a few minutes Noah was the only righteous one. It actually means that for that entire duration, for 120 years, however long it was, Noah was the only righteous and blameless man on the planet Earth. It's crazy. And it says Noah walked with God. In a lesser covenant, without the blood of Jesus, he was righteous. He was in right standing with God. It means that he was upright. He didn't have to walk with his head in shame. It means that he was innocent of all guilt, shame, condemnation, all sin. He was completely innocent of it. In a lesser covenant, without the Holy Spirit living inside of him, he was a righteous man. And then, it, and then if that wasn't enough, it says he was righteous, comma, and blameless. So not only was he without sin, it meant that he was without any defect. It meant that he wasn't lacking any moral goodness. He was a man of good morality, if you will. And he had no guilt. It, it just, it, it's like the Lord was just like, in the middle of this time, there was this man that decided to live holy. And I think for us today, that in the midst of everything that's going on, when, when everything says that certain things are right, we can say, I don't think it is. I'm not going to do that. 
it, let me phrase it like this. I think the Lord's looking for people that are not going to compromise. Like we, we can be the biggest, one of the biggest lies today is that if you're not willing to compromise, you're unloving. If you're not willing to accept, you're unloving. And, and I, I, think that we, I think that we can be like, no, this is, this, like we're not going to be obnoxious about it, but I'm not going to compromise what I believe because it makes you feel bad about something. I'm actually going to stand more firm in this thing, but I'm still going to be loving because the point, of, the point of walking with God is so that others begin to walk with God as well. It's not elitism where we're like, we're better than someone else. That's not what it is at all. But I'm, I'm telling you, look, the world's looking for people that just say, you know what? It's going that way. We're like that old, that, 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 that old song, what's it what's go? That though everyone leave, I will follow. I can't, it's something like that, right? That though, though they go, I will follow. I, I just think the Lord's looking for people who says, you know what, I'm just going to walk with him. Now, the word walk, it's a fascinating word as well. It means to travel with. It means to live for. Amen. So not only was he blameless and righteous, he traveled with he lived for god he didn't live for his next fix he didn't live for his next purchase he lived for god okay it means to behave to conduct to walk to go about during certain doing certain actions habitually so so noah lived his life in a way that that it, I mean, but he was rigid. Let's just be, call it what it is. He was just, you knew what Noah was going to do. It's like, he, ain't, he isn't going to do that. He follows God. He walks with God. I mean, he was habitual. That's, you could predict what he was going to do is what it means. Consistent manner and constituting a lifestyle. So when we talk about revival here, we're not talking about services. We're not talking about extended meetings. We're not talking about when we, we haven't did one for a while, but we're not talking about where we hold a revival Friday service. What we're hoping and praying is that people begin to live a lifestyle of intimacy with Christ Jesus. That's what we define revival as. And so in a world full of sin and acceptance, the Lord is looking for men and women and churches who walk in communion and fellowship with Him. In a world full of political turmoil, right, and pandemics, racial injustice, uh, things that, that, that don't fit God's definition of the way that they should be, the Lord is looking for men and women that say, you know what, I'm just going to walk with Him, and my walk with Him is the most important thing in my life. Amen. I had this, it's no secret I'm working, I, I had this, conversation with someone the other day at work and, and they were asking like what do I do and that's what you do what do you do or why are you here is actually how it started <laughs> what do you do what did you do to have to come here <laughs> and, <laughs> true story true story and and so I started telling them I'm, I'm pastor and, and they started asking oh okay and like they were a little weirded out and like well what's your church like and I'm like well we, you know we have services Sunday it's crazy that's right we have services on Sunday and then we also meet like Monday Wednesdays and Saturdays for an hour to an hour and a half and we just pray and the first thing out of their mouth was well I'm a Christian and I don't think you have to go to church that much to be a Christian like they were mad and I'm like you're absolutely right you don't have to be in the church that much to be a Christian but I'm concerned that you wouldn't want to be 
Now, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty because I know some of us busy have different lives. I'm just saying, like, like when I have to admit, like, my heart, I want to be here. I want to be with you all. I want to be with the people. I want to be in the presence of the Lord with other people. And, and so I think the Lord is looking for people that just want to be with him and other people at the same time. And, 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 the, and so I, I'm just, yeah. He's looking for a people that, hmm, that want more than Sunday only. Okay? Now, now let me say this. So, so I'm going to point number two. <laughs> this won't flow at all today, and that's okay. The, the other thing we can look at this is, is like the Lord says, I'm going to send rain, or I'm going to send floods to the earth. I believe rain is a picture of revival, and a lack of rain is the absence of it. All right? So behold, I am bringing, verse 17, I'm bringing a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, flesh, not all flesh, all flesh in which is the breath of life. From under heaven, everything that is under the earth shall perish. And so, so the Lord's like, look, you're going to build an ark, you're going to be on it, you're going to be saved, you're going to be protected, but I'm sending floodwaters and it's going to destroy everything. Now hear me out, I think this is a picture of revival because the Lord took eight people to repopulate the planet, right? He did because he then told them at the very end of the story, be fruitful and multiply. Who were they fruitful and multiplied with? It's a little weird, but anyway, <laughs> you'll figure that out later, but, or you'll catch that later. But he, he, he takes the waters, he takes the rains, he takes the waters that come up from the earth, and it washes everything clean. You see, when revival really hits, well, let me define the word first. It says that there was the flood. The word flood means deluge, water that covers and inundates in overwhelming pr- proportions, on normally dry land. So it overwhelms dry land. So I think when revival actually comes, <coughs> it's messy, it's destructive, it's offensive, it always, always is. Like there's good stuff, like there's always the, oh, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I love you, touchdown Jesus, right? You, you hold your hands up, you weep, you cry. There's all those wonderful moments. But then there's also those moments when you go home when you're like, man, my whole life is just completely messed up now. Because he starts trying to wash away things that you're wrestling with. He starts, he starts to put his finger on anger that you have, right? Or he puts his finger on, on wrongdoing that you've done and you need to make restitution. He, he, he comes and he does these things because in order for... It's what qualifies us to be used by God. Like if, let me tell you this. Like if it was all just this, like that would be easy. It's easy when we have our worship team up here to worship for an hour. I mean, it really, really is. It's, it's just, it's easy to do that. But when that moment leaves and those waters still continue to come and there's stuff stuck to your life, the Lord, He wants to remove that. And sometimes when things are stuck, right, when sometimes things are ingrown, if you will, you got to yank those suckers out. And the, when that rain or that water comes, it pulls those things out. And sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's always painful but when revival comes it always 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 cleanses always cleanses i want to say this too like i just want to be honest today 
Like, and I'm not mad. Like, I just want to be honest. I just am really becoming more and more convinced that it really is the truth that sets people free. Okay, it's not just cleverness. It's the truth, all right? And so when the rains of revival come, people get offended. And people leave. And I'm not thinking of anyone that's left here. I'm just saying people leave because they don't want to, they just want this. They don't want this changed. It's easy to allow the waters to touch us and then get upset and decide to leave than it is to allow the Lord to allow those waters to cleanse us. And He wants to cleanse people. Okay? And so I just want to say, when it gets hard and painful, just, just stand your ground. Allow the Lord to do the deep inner working of your heart and bring hope and healing and freedom. And, 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 and Because if, if we don't, we're just going to vacillate back and forth, back and forth like we always have. And, and that's not what the Lord desires for His people. In revival, it's always designed to magnify Jesus. So when those rains come, and I realize the Lord used it to wipe out the population of the earth, but, but I, I, I look at it more of this, that the Lord used it to get a fresh start. Okay? And so, so as He cleansed the planet, He was left with some people that He could trust to do what He wants to do. And I think the whittling and the falling away that we're seeing across the United States. I think it's just the Lord is using it right now. I think the Lord is using it because what's left are hungry people that they can start over and not have to wrestle with the same. Like, we don't really deal with it here too much, but, but the same people that say, well, we've always done it this way, we have to do it this way, or we've always done that, we have to do that. I think the Lord has got it down to the point now where it's just like, if you don't show up, we're toast, and so we're going to do whatever you want us to do. But it's always designed to magnify Jesus. So once you understand that what we're doing is not like, I, obviously I want this room filled. And I'd like it to be filled multiple times on a Sunday, if I'm really honest. I'd like to be filled 24-7 if I want to get really, really honest. But the point isn't to grow a church. The point isn't to build a ministry. It's to magnify Jesus. And so, so when we say we want revival on the land, what we're saying is we want Jesus' name to be magnified and lifted up. We, we want, like, like seriously, I've, I've learned that I, I, like in public, you can talk about God because there's lots of gods, right? You, you, can, you can say those things. You, you can talk about God. But when you mention the name of Jesus, people get in an uproar. They get aggravated. They get frustrated. There's something about that name. And so, so, so the point is to magnify Him. And so when we say we're having Revival Friday, what we're saying really is we're actually just having a night where we're lifting up and magnifying the name of Jesus. We want revival in the land. What does that mean? Do we want every place to go to a bunch of churches? Well, that would be a good side effect. But what we're saying is we want the name of Jesus magnified on the earth to such a degree that holy curiosity gets sparked and other people decide that they want Him. Like all, The point 
of our life is to glorify God and magnify Him always. Or the point of our life is to magnify the name of Jesus, to lift Jesus up. Why are you the way you are? It's just Jesus, right? Why are you happy? Because of Jesus. Why did you have that blessing? Because of Jesus. Why did it work out for you? Because of Jesus. Why, why are you not losing your, your cookies right now? Uh, it's because of Jesus. Why don't you get frustrated? Because of Jesus. How could you turn the other cheek? Because of Jesus, right? How do you love your neighbor? A bit? Well, because of Jesus. Like That's what the Lord is looking for, and that's what revival really is, is when people stop relying on themselves and stop trying to build themselves up everything in society right now is designed that we build our own self right you have a voice you have a platform and you all do like it's real easy to get on here and publish our opinions and like i'm all for it i'm fine with it i'm just saying in this time it's almost been distorted which is what the enemy always does he just twists the truth just a little bit and so we make a big deal about ourselves rather than magnifying him and he's looking for people to say i'm going to magnify you no matter what the cost is now i'm not telling you got to be some holy roller or whatever and wear 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 the really like almost like the cardboard build hats that are great big that has jesus stitched on it or whatever i'm not telling you got to do that i'm just saying like there ought to be something different about our life and so when we say we want revival, the point is, is that he's lifted up. All right. I've mentioned this before, but we're called to build an ark as well that hosts his presence. Like, and and I, I did this third. I kind of went out of order in the scripture jumping around. But I don't think we can build an ark unless we walk with God. Because then we try to build a church. And we try to build something that strokes the minister's ego. Like, that's just gross. And we can't build an ark unless we understand why we're doing it. We want to walk with God, and why are we doing it? To magnify Him. To, to To make Him famous. To make Him known. So verse 14, the Lord told him to do this, make an ark out of gopher wood. and He gives very specific instructions on how it should be done. And so Noah, he, he builds this ark and he follows these instructions specifically. And I think prophetically for us, there, there are some very specific things we know the Lord has called us to do. And, and, and the number one thing right now we're doing is we know we've been called to, to pray. Now, we're not praying because we just want to pray. We're praying because when we pray, it draws the presence of God here. And so, so the Bible says that he's enthroned upon the praises of his people. And so as we pray and worship and we intercede, we actually build the Lord a house and we're just doing it here right now. And, 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 and unless the Lord ever give us a building or something like that of our own. But, but, but we're, we're praying, we're doing these things, we're building a habitation of the Lord. And so then it's not like once every 20 years we have a good church service. It's, it's, it's He's here always. And then when you walk into the door, you sense that He's here. You sense that, 
oh, this is holy ground, right? It may be a rundown shopping center, but you come across that threshold and you're like, oh man, God's here. And so, so, so then people start coming in the atmosphere and they get saved before worship songs sang. Then they come into the atmosphere and, and they get healed physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. They get healed before, without anyone laying hands on them simply because God is here. And he can't help himself. <laughs> okay. And so, so they, they, used, they built this ark and the eight people went into this thing. And the Lord used those eight people to repopulate the entire planet. Like this is mind-boggling. When you think about it, like if they did some DNA study, like you are carrying the DNA that was in Noah. Everyone has that same, that same, whatever it is, that's in there somewhere because everything, it start, the Lord started over at that point in time. I think the Lord's asked us to, to build something. And now I'm not... Now, I realize that unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build in vain. That's Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2. Like, I understand that. But I also know that Psalm 126 says that those that sow in tears will reap songs of joy. And I think that sowing of the tears, that praying, is actually us building something that hosts the Lord. And I think you can do it at your homes as well. All right, so, so we're called to build an ark that hosts His presence. And I love this. Verse 18, the Lord says this. He says, I'll establish my covenant with you. This was the first covenant the Lord had given in the entire Bible. You shall enter the ark and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you and every living thing of all flesh. You shall bring two of every kind into the ark and keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Now, I'll say this, like what we're doing, again, it's, it's not, listen, it's, it's not because I like to hear myself talk. It's not because I just want to come and be in this, like, it's because I believe what we're doing is important. And I believe that what we're doing has the potential to bring forth revival in the land. Now, now I'm, I, I also know it's going to take a lot more places as well because the Lord's doing similar things all around the globe, all right? He's doing similar things with similar types of houses all over the place. But it takes all of us doing our own part together. Now, he says, you shall enter, which means you shall come and be included. It actually means you shall pursue. It means you shall harvest. And it actually means you shall be crushed. You should enter into the ark. We enter into God's presence because we pursue, and as we pursue Him, He actually crushes us. We sing a song about that called New Wine, right? Yeah. Right, like he, cru- he takes you, He molds you, He shapes you, He changes you. And it's like, how do we win the world? You allow God to transform your own heart. Like, like the, the, the greatest form of evangelism is a, is a transformed life. And so when we enter into God's presence, which is the ark, right? And if you want to do ap- acronyms, it's Apostolic Revival Koinonia. We talked about that a few years ago with Pastor Corey. But anyway, I, 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 I think 
that as we enter into this place, He crushes us, He transforms us, He changes us, and it serves as an invitation to other people. But why in the world would I want to come and listen to a man talk and yell at me for an hour on a Sunday morning? It's like we go through worship and then we have to endure this yelling act and then, and then you want me to put money in a bucket when I could be staying at home and sleeping in every week. Why would I give my life to that unless there really was something that was different about us and what's different is we've embraced the process what's different is we realize that what we're doing is more than attending a church what we're doing is we're 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 building something we're and building's wrong but but we're stewarding something so that future generations can enjoy the fruits of our labor, right? We're stewarding something because we know that He is the most valuable possession that we have. And, and if we can do that. And, and then He goes on and He says, you'll keep them alive. He promises His family and He promises that the animals will live. Now, the word alive means to stay, to remain. It actually could mean abide. It, 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 it means to revive and it means to nurture, which means that when dead things come into this place, the Lord takes care of them. When, when, when things that need reviving, the Lord revives them if there's an atmosphere that's been hosted and created that has that potential. Yeah. It's, it's like this. And I don't mean this negatively, but I, I've been in places, I've, I've been in church, I've preached plenty of revivals. I've been in the places where I'm like, I, I don't know, I don't sense God here. I sense other things here, but I don't sense Him, him here. And then listen to them complain, why haven't we seen anyone say? Why haven't we seen anyone here? And it's like, there's no, where's the presence? Now, the one thing is, this, it's the hardest way to build a church. I mean, seriously. It, it just, it's just hard. I mean, it's been, for us, it's been four years. The end of the month, the end of the month is four years since I signed the lease on the other side. I think it's September 28th or 9th, I can't remember. It's been four years, and we've seen people come and go. We've seen people touch. We've seen people sent out. We've seen all these wonderful things. But it's hard sometimes. And then it's hard because it feels like everyone in here, at least over the last three months, everyone in this room the last three months has went through some sort of hell, one shape, way, shape, or form or another. And it, some days it's like, man, it'd be real easy to quit and give up. And not just give up on the church. That's what I mean. I just, just, just give up following him in general or pursuing it. it it'd, be, it'd be so much easier. So I'm just going to go down to the whatever church down the corner and hide in the back and throw my money in the plate and go about my life. Like that'd be really easy unless we believe that the price that we're paying is actually worth it. That that this hosting of God's presence really is where it's at. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with, with big churches. I think we ought to be bigger. I, I dream of us being bigger, okay? I really, really do. I dream of where we walk in and you're like, who's that guy? I, I don't know. Like, I ought to go introduce myself to him. How long you been here? A month, right? You know, like stuff like that. Like, I dream of those days. 
But I think the days of the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 member, I think that's, I think that's going by the wayside simply because the Lord is raising up family type of environments where his presence is the most important thing. Like if I want to be entertained, I'm going to watch a movie, right? If I'm going to be entertained, I'm going to do whatever. But if I want an encounter with the Lord, I'm going to go to wherever the Lord's actually at. There's a lot more, <laughs> but but <laughs> I think we'll, we'll we'll call it stops there for today. I just want to put before us the like I I know I, <clears throat> I know that hmm, I know for many of us things are hard right now. I know that truthfully and historically over the last four years that that winter is our busy time in the church and summer's when people travel and do all these things. I know that many of us have sacrificed hours and hours and hours. I was trying to add up the man hours that, that you and I and Jeremy put in. <laughs> you know, I was trying to add up all that the other day and I couldn't figure it out. Like, I know a lot of us sacrifice. We've given a lot. We've given a lot of money. We've done all these things. But I just want to remind us of what we're actually trying to accomplish here. Okay? It's not, we're not just trying to have good church services and try to grow a church. We're actually trying to build something that hosts the presence of God, that brings forth transformation in our lives and in the area around us. And we believe that if we can do this, the Lord will use this place to bring forth global transformation. And you're like, well, how does that happen, right? Well, legitimately think about it. I can hear it. Like, I can, I can hear it. I'm prophetic enough, I can hear it. How does it happen? Well, we have a guy that's pastor in a church two hours away from here right now that was in this house for three-plus years I think that's just a little bit further away. And maybe the Lord's going to use him there the way he's used us here. And maybe he's going to raise someone up and they're going to go a little bit further away. Or maybe one day someone's going to get a call and say, you know what, in this room, maybe one of our teens is going to get a call to be a missionary in China. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying what we're doing is important. And, and to me, it's the most precious thing that we have going on. And, and, and if I get in the flesh, I get discouraged sometimes. I do. I, I get, I'm either really high or really low sometimes. I'm learning that about myself. But, but I'm wanting to get to where it's just the same way all the time because what the Lord's here, if we get our eyes on everything else, we don't realize what the Lord's doing. And what the Lord is doing is doing something pretty significant. I, I, we, I, I don't know the statistics, but I, I, know, I know the phone calls that we've gotten. Something as little as our prayer room. And, and I say something as little as our prayer room. Like it's a great big deal. And, 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 and uh, my word, I'll just say this. Uh, on, on a given week, I bet we have 25, 30 different states that watch it. And so, a room, sometimes there's only been three people here, sometimes there's been 30 people. It's affecting. You know what it's doing too, by the way, 
I'm just going to say this. Like, and I think everything we do is important. I'm just using this as the example right now. It's like that thing right there, it's giving churches the hope that we don't have to run 500 people to actually pray and press into God. And I think that's really, really significant. And so I just want to remind us what we're doing is important. And it's not something that we have to do. It's something that the Lord's trusted us to get to do. All right? And so I want to encourage you. Let's just begin. Hmm. I want to pray in a second. But I just want to give us a charge in the room today. Let, let's begin to really pray that the Lord helps us steward this thing. And, and let's pray the Lord gives us a... I've been asking the Lord to give me a fresh passion like, I have passion. I'm fiery. But I'm asking the Lord to reignite that. I've been asking the Lord to reignite some of the passion in some of our people. And I don't mean that as an insult by any means. Hear my heart. But I know that if this thing, this thing is going to catch fire, it's going to take fiery people, right? It's going to take fiery people. To, I'm going to ask the Lord to remind people why he called them here, why he called us here originally. Like I'm asking the Lord to do these things because I believe it's these things that fuels the fire when we get down and discouraged on why we're doing what we're doing. Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, I just thank you this morning in the name of Jesus. I would pray, Lord, that I, I think we're, we haven't got it down, but I, I, I think you're teaching us to walk and to commune with you. We want to be a people like Noah that in a, in a generation that's not righteous, you're teaching us how to be righteous. Hmm. In the midst of a generation that isn't. And by the way, I shouldn't have said, I should say it this. Like when you become righteous, you are righteous. It's not like a coat that you put on and, and you're wearing righteousness. It's he who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Meaning that that's who you are. It's not just something that you put on for a moment and that you're going to take off. And so, Lord, I thank you. I pray you help us to walk with you. I pray that you help us to get a, a clear picture of what revival really is, and that's just seeing your name made famous on the earth. And I would pray, God, right here and right now, that you help us to build this thing, that you help us to host this thing, that you help us to steward what you've given us, Lord, so we can see... Huh. So we can see future generations come to know you, Lord. We're praying, Lord, that you start to give us a harvest. We're praying, God, that you, we start to see people walk into the... I, I'm praying, Lord, that when... Huh, I'm praying, Lord, for the Sunday where I walk in the front door and I actually have to step over people because the fear of the Lord hit them at the entryway of the church and they're just laying on their faces in your presence. <clears throat> I would pray, God, that you start to, huh, I would pray that you would start to send other like-minded and hearted believers that just want the same thing, that saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself to the life of pursuing Jesus. I'm giving myself to living this life of, amongst the other people. These aren't just people I attend church with, but these are people that I want to live my life with. I'm asking that you start to send those people forward as well, God. I would pray that you help us to steward this thing so well, Lord, that we begin to see increase, Jesus, that we would see the, the, the land cleansed, that we would see people cleansed and healed and saved and delivered and set free, God. We would ask this today, Lord. 
And I would pray right here and right now, Lord, that you would begin over the next few weeks. Huh. I would pray that you would remind each of us why we're doing what we're doing. Hmm. I pray that you would, I don't even know how to say this. I pray, Lord, that you would increase the value that we see this thing called River City Hope, I pray that you would increase the value of that in our own hearts, our own assessed value of it, if that makes sense. And so, Lord, I, I just love you. I just thank you. I pray that this word continues to penetrate over the upcoming week, over the upcoming month, God. I pray it's not something that we say, well, he preached on Noah's Ark today. I pray it's more than that, God. I pray that it begins to unlock the keys to the future, Jesus. I pray that it, by looking back and seeing what you did before, I'm hoping that we see its prophetic permission to what you want to do in the present and the future, Lord. So, Lord, we love you and we bless you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.